Hey guys, thanks for listening. It's Guru Brando with Positively Entertaining Conversations. Tonight, we're going to be talking to Joe. And Joe is a really cool guy. He is my spirit animal. And we're going to be talking about dads and drinking, excuses and rockets and rampages and mayhem. All this really cool stuff. Because Joe is a really cool guy. So join us right now. And sit down. Good evening, podcast listeners. Prepare to be positively entertained. The soda is cold. The popcorn is hot. The guests are regular folk with issues that are real. Listen to a conversation that will give you some spills. And we might get some thrills. Learn spiritual duality. With the lippy hippie, the Texas tragedy, the mister who was a sister, the bearded charmer himself, the one, the only, Guru Brando. Hey, Joe. What did you gain from your folks when you were a kid that you still use? Like, what values did you bring forward into adulthood? For me, it would probably been probably my dad's work ethic. Because whenever my dad was working, always trying to teach me stuff, you know, he basically thought that I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. You know, but actually I was. I lived that life. You know, now... <laughs> You know, and every time I go do something, if I do electric work or I build something or I do something around the house, you know, I always smile up and, and I say to him, you didn't think I was looking or paying attention, did you? Yeah. I said, I'm doing it exactly the way that you taught me and that's exactly what you did. Okay, it was his all, it was his way mostly, right? Oh yes, yes, 100%. So you can look at this stuff and be appreciative that that's what he taught you. Yes. Where did he learn to be so good at it? He was, well, he was always good at working with his hands and memorizing the stuff that he did. Um, electric wise and stuff like that, you know, he back then it was books. You know, mm, yeah, you know, that's it, exactly what Dad says. Encyclopedias for fun. Right. You know, then he'll go get electric books, plumbing books, yep. everything, you know, and sit there and read it. And then he would, you know, that information would click with him better than it did me. But then when he was doing it, I was sitting there, and he wouldn't really explain it to me what he was doing. You just watched. I just watched mm-hmm. him. You know, and everything I do now, because when Dad built something, he always overdid it. You know, if it needed four screws, he put ten screws. Wait, what was your dad's name? Joe. Joseph Charles. Okay. I was just hoping that you didn't say Fred Groves and that my dad was living a double life. Because, (laughs) true story, that's like, somehow we've got to be related. It's just too weird that we're both kind of hobbit-like and, you know, our dads were just the same. It would be strange to find out if we were ever related, right? Anyway, go ahead. You know, my name, my full name is Joseph Anton S. And I believe it was my great-great-grandfather was also named Joseph Anton Hess. He's the first Hess from Germany that got on the boat and came to America. That's really cool that you know that. Yep. And wow. Joseph Anton Hess and my family, there is many of them. That's 
That's that's crazy. You're the first Tess I've ever met or hmm. ever heard. You know, and um, I'm sure that I probably would have paid more attention had I known you first, right. and then heard the name. You know, right. but <coughs> I don't recall hearing that name before. Like but when, it's, when you guys sit there and talk about, you know, you stayed over in Germany, you know, that's where we came from. Yeah, was Germany. You know, it'd always be neat to go to Germany one time. You know, oh, you just, know, it'd be cool if we all did like a family vacation, like all of us to Germany. Oh shit. That would be epic. It'd be like the Griswolds go to Europe. <laughs> Dude, how fun would that be? You have to admit. Could oh, you God. see us? Because neither one of us drink. Right. In Germany, it's all drinking. Yeah. So we would be the sober Americans making fun of Everybody all of the drunk Americans. Well, are you German? No, I'm German. Yeah. Aren't you drinking? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, it is tough. I'm not gonna lie because that's where. Well, I mean, you watch from big old bears. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. It's like. Oh yeah, I had many like temptations. Be like, just I just. And the the problem is for me that I love the taste of it, the Belgian beer, and you know, just the wheat wheat beers mm -hmm. I like, and so. I love German beer and when we were there I was trying really hard at the time to keep my alcoholism in check I knew I drank right. but I wasn't an alcoholic right. you know I just drank well in here we had kids and here my spouse was always deployed and stuff like that and so it was creeping on and I didn't realize how far it was creeping until we were in Germany and I couldn't put it down but in Germany um, it was cheaper to have beer than water you know, and the water's gross because it's the bubbly water, mm -hmm. you know. And I used to drink Perrier, and Perrier is not water in Germany. It's just not. It's not the same thing. So I drank a lot of beer, and it was my preference, and it was cheaper than soda. And I can see that when we moved back, I then at that point had a drinking problem. I could see that. And I had no access to the German beer, the good German beer anymore. And so it takes just twice as much of everything else. So then it, I was really feeling that rage. Right. Did you ever have that moment that you could identify that it was like, oh, yeah, it's, it seems to be a little bit more, but I can keep it under control. Right. Yeah. I always thought that too in my head. And it never worked. Yeah. It, uh -uh. No. I ended up in the parking lot of the food line. How hard that line. would be to sit at a German? No, it's awful. I mean, just sit there at a table, you know, and all of a sudden you, you know that's real the German beer. The whole place smells like it, dude. Like, I'm serious. You get there and you just smell the beer and it's so fantastic. But you might yeah. have to take plenty of your bowls along. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We'd have to go to um, to whatchamacallit and get some really good weed. <laughs> Amsterdam. We're going to need it because we're going to be... I'll be I like, know, yeah. I can smell it. You know, know honestly, Joe, this is the first time I've put myself in your position because my weakness is German beer and beer and food. Right. That's my weakness. So if I imagine being in Germany um, and not a drinker, that's exactly how you feel when you go to the bar or the bowling alley and you can't drink right you it, it's not necessarily that you think you're going to it's that you don't want to want to right why tempt yourself right but the temptation's there because as soon as you walk in there oh yeah it's like oh Man, I, and old. not only you realize that you remember every time that you did that activity and drank yeah 
you know, I mean, so and I hit that bar. I went right, you know, as soon as I walked in the place, I went right to yeah, the bar. Yeah, so it's that comfortable, familiar routine. Mm-hmm. Ugh, yep. that's an awful feeling. Yep, you know, and, and you know it in your head, like, I'm 21, I'm over 21. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is walk up. Oh, yeah, you rationalize shit. You're right, all I have to who cares? I go to the bath and take a drink. That's what I used to do. <laughs> I would go to Food Lawn and get a six-pack and sit in the Food Lawn parking lot in the minivan and down a six-pack really quick yeah. and then try to make it back through the gate before the MPs <laughs> realized that I was drunk right. or buzzed. Yeah. And I was driving, too, and I was breaking my one rule because uh, family has been involved in, in drunk driving uh, incidences and things. I am... Totally against even buzz driving. I just don't do it. And so I think about what a shithead I was because I would preach that, but then I would do it. I was drinking and driving, even though it was like against my core value. Did you drink and drive? Oh yeah. Was it? Did you recognize those times that you were driving like shit? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I did too plenty of vehicles and took plenty of mailboxes off you did yeah 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 oh huh what yeah come in filming what is this the 60s are you ready for your close-up oh yeah turn the kitchen that one's on i turned that one on on my last dui which i was my third one that kind of gave me a wake-up call mm. i had to go to court yeah because that's the third strike rule right was well, that back, there? Well, back no. in the day, you know, it really wasn't. But the yeah. island area wanted me locked up. Yeah. So my oh court my date was... God, I'm in cahoots with the troublemaker of the town? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited now. Anyway, go ahead. So then, you know, I, my court date was coming up, and my attorney called because I was actually facing jail time. And he called me up and said... Uh, well, we have a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, you're facing jail time. And I said, okay, what's the other problem? The judge. What's wrong with the judge? She was the president of, of damn it, I forgot the name of it. Mad Mother's Instruct Driving? She yeah. was the president of that organization. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you needed to be an example at this point. Oh, that she was gonna put me as an example. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you needed to be to in her mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Oh yeah. I said we're in trouble. And I said, well, you gotta do everything in your power to get that judge switched. And luckily, he got it switched somehow. I don't know. I don't care. The grace of God, <laughs> because you deserved a second chance. <laughs> he called me back up. It's well, it's literally because you said I've had my wake up call. I'm so freaking sorry. That's why. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Go ahead. And then that's what I told them, and you know, they called back and said, well, we got to switch to another date, and it says with a different judge. Thank God. Because <laughs> <laughs> he told me, he said, you walk in that courtroom, and she's there, I can't do nothing. You know, and he was a good, high-paid attorney. Right. And my hands are tied. She goes, she's going to nail you, and I can't save you. He actually just told me too. He said, "You might as well just kick me to the curb and just walk in by yourself." Wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's scary. Oh yeah. So where was your heart at that moment? I think it fell out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at your knees, at yeah. least. Yeah. Yep. 
I was like, holy crap. And where was Karen and all this? We weren't together yet. Oh, This was back goodness. when I was 18, 19. Oh, wow. So this goes way back. Your history goes way back to when? When did you first start drinking and getting in trouble? 15. Then? 15? Yep. And when I had my license, and that's really when I started picking up because of all the DUIs and traffic. So you were just really rebellious. Oh, yeah. I was, I was bad. Do you have any idea why? I mean, do, did just, you, some people have a reason. It was just me out having fun. You know, I just didn't know when to slow down and say no. Do you think that any of your uh, friendships had anything to do with it? And really think about it. Did you grow into friends that had the same type habits? In other words, were you part of a clique? Oh, yeah. I was probably... A clique of misfits. Exactly. So what drew you to those misfits? What drew y'all together? What was the common theme? Drinking. Well, where did that come from? Why did y'all band together to drink? What made y'all misfits to begin with? I think it was one of the friends that knew a friend that provided or could get the alcohol. Okay, so when y'all first became friends, you were friends with these people. Why? Were they cool kids? Were they just trouble? You identified them as, oh, they're people that I can use to get my habit taken care of. It was more of doing basically like doing the stupid shit and trying not so to get you in trouble. Were, yeah, you were trying to pick out people that you could run with that weren't narcs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You are seriously my brother, dude. <laughs> I think we're separated at birth. Um, look for scars, man. I'm telling you, there's a scar somewhere. Um, so I did exactly the same thing. Mine, though, started, uh, you know, my mom was a heavy drinker and um, she would give us a taste. So mine started about nine. I knew I had developed a taste because I remember smelling hers right. and wanting to drink it as if I had just smelled a cold uh, soda open or some hot coffee. Right. You know, I smelled it and I was like, oh, my taste buds started to tingle and my mouth watered. I knew I was seeking that flavor. What I didn't know was my body was telling me I wanted that flavor because it got me inebriated, you know, because your body becomes dependent. Right. Unlike other substances that you can crave but you don't become dependent on sometimes you can crave like sour gummy worms but you're not really dependent on them right. but you might eat them all the time would your body become dependent on it yes because it's sugar right. and that's what your body's wanting it's not wanting the worm it's wanting the sugar you've got your sweet tooth right you got your sweet tooth and your body reacts chemically to that so we use alcohol sugar nicotine tobacco, all that stuff to self-soothe. You know, our destructive type habits are to self-soothe. I did not know what I was self-soothing at the time. I just knew this made me feel good and I liked it. I didn't realize what I was trying to do was feel loneliness. That's where mine came from. So I can assume that your group of misfits probably got together out of loneliness. You were probably all kind of loners, and when you saw each other as loners, you're like, oh, there's a loner I can be alone with. Right. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. And you're still a loner. Yep. Yeah. Do you think that that's because it was reinforced that around people you act up? 
That's what it was for me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because whenever I feel like I'm acting up too much, like I feel kind of chaotic and maybe I'm getting into trouble, right. I immediately withdraw from everybody because I feel toxic. I right. feel like I'm going to cause trouble. Do you feel that way? Yeah. It's I've never met anybody else so much like me. And I'm, no, I'm serious. I don't know if that's good or bad, Joe, at this I like point. I do too. I'm pretty certain right now we're breaking a lot of laws. Just, or we're, just or we're about ready to. Yeah, exactly. Either it's going to happen or it has happened. Um, so whenever you were with all these friends, or with a friend, and you didn't feel so lonely, when you weren't with them, did you want to be with them, or did you just want to be with anyone? No, I wanted to be with the group. Yeah. Yeah. It's so they became your family. It wasn't just friends at that point. Right, it was basically like a brother bond. Yeah, because when you start to crave a person, it's a dependency. And the only people that people are actually dependent on is family, and it's when we're kids. Right. You know, we, we knew that, you know, we, we hung around, we did stupid shit. You know, one of us got caught, you know, we're not going to narc on you. Yeah, don't be, you know. As we're talking about it, <laughs> yeah. You know, and so we can all go out and do stupid crap. You know, one of us or two of us get caught, you know, if we're one of the lucky ones that didn't get caught, we do not, you know, we're not really going to sweat it because we know that nothing's going to happen to us. Did it ever occur to you once that those friends were not actual friends? The... Because yeah. they're not. I mean, right. if, you, if you truly look at it, yeah, a friend not. would knock you out. Right. That's like, a, I can tell you right now, my friend Mandy, she'd knock me out in two seconds. <laughs> and that's why I hold myself accountable to her. So if I have a secret or if I know I'm doing something shady, I immediately tell her because I know if it's too heavy for me, she'll knock. Right. You know, so she's my safety. She's my net. And I know that Karen's probably that for you. Yep. Because I know that y'all are pretty open. Y'all don't really keep secrets. Right. I keep a shit ton of secrets from Beth. <laughs> but I have that, that I have OCD. And so in my OCD, it, there's a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's the OCD shame that I hide from her. That's what I mean by secrets. I don't want people thinking that like I'm sexting other people. Right. I only sex Joe. <laughs> and you know what? If you look at our text, oh my God, I was scrolling through the other day and I was like, oh my God, did we really say that? <laughs> and it's like, if we took stuff out of context, it would look really bad. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Because and I feel sorry for the people that actually look at our text. I know. Oh my God. You we got to be like, I think you better, these guys need some yeah. serious help. Yeah. Who do you have as the person that's going to delete your history when you die? <laughs> You've got to appoint someone, dude. You. Oh, okay, I'll give you my card. You give me yours. There and, we go. We're and on sorry. that card, it, it needs to be in an envelope, and it's got all of our passwords. There you go. So we just exchange it, and whoever goes first. <laughs> if I have to saw off your thumb, Joe, for that fingerprint, just know that I will. And I won't enjoy it. Uh, I'm going to wake up and go, well, <laughs> yeah. I guess he needed it. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, he thought I was dead. Oh, wait a minute, does he need that one? <laughs> yeah, that's how you'll know you died is when you're missing a thumb and I have it. Right. Oh, wait a minute, he needed my finger, middle finger or something. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm just like, oh, you know what? He's going to die eventually. I'll just take it now for safekeeping. He'll just blow it off. So yeah. speaking of blowing it off. 
<laughs> this rocket that you made me. I was telling you earlier that your rocket is very special to me for a reason that you don't know. And that reason is because my entire childhood, since we're speaking of childhood, was spent watching, you know, just like every child watches, your friend gets to do this and you don't get to do that. You know, you, you do that as a kid all the time. My friends got to go swimming and I didn't get to go swimming. You know, I had right. to work or whatever. Well, singling out. Yeah. And so I have a brother and I have a sister and my brother always got to do cool stuff with fire and, you know, build whatever in the shop and stuff. And it was a little different for my sister and I. Granted, I was the youngest, but even whenever I did get a little bit older, there were still kind of gender notions. And, you know, my parents didn't know any better. They were doing the best they could with what they had, and I don't blame them. Right. I was allowed to be just a kid, not a gender, until uh, womanhood. And as soon as I matured and had my period, it was a gender. And then it was a stereotype. It was a role. Up to that point, I just got to play slingshots. I got to go hunting and fishing and doing all that stuff. And in the 80s, there was, you know, the big space race. And so I started to become interested in rockets and all that. And it was a huge thing, um, the gender equality, if you'll remember the first female astronaut, you know, and she died. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a big deal, and I remember watching that. And I remember hearing people say they should have never sent a mom to space. They never should have sent a, a teacher to space. They never should have sent her. She should have never been there. Right. And that's what I was hearing all the time, and even from my family. They thought that it was an atrocity that we lost a woman in space. Right. And I remember going, what the hell? They died too. You know, right. what is the big deal with the woman in space? So I knew that I would never achieve what I wanted to do, which was either be an astronaut or, of all things, I wanted to be an oceanographer. I wanted to be Jacques Cousteau. That was my dream. Um, but again, that was one of those gender things, you know, that I was a girl. I couldn't go be this. Right. Nobody did that. Nobody did it back then. Right. <clears throat> and so I just gave up on all that shit. You know, I didn't even think past that. And so I remember that that totally coinciding with the alcoholic time whenever I was first introduced to alcohol. So I was having these thoughts already of where do I belong right and then there was something that helped me belong and it's interesting I see this rocket and I sit there and I think you know what yeah if this had been my childhood this would have propelled me up I wouldn't have gone to where I did and it's not the rocket it's not the gender it's the message of encouragement you know because that's I look at this and I see the full message of encouragement even though two of them are flipped but whatever <laughs> What's the word? <laughs> it's fine. Oh, yeah, you never it's know fine. which way it's going to go. It could go up or it could come straight down. I, I actually love it because of that. I, I just got to be honest. It's different. We're all different, it is. so the rocket's different. But I love it because I noticed it. I, I noticed it. I noticed it and you didn't. And that means that you actually put your heart into it. You weren't trying to design it. I'm a designer, right. you know what I mean? And so whenever I look at something, I look for symmetry. I look for perfection, essentially. Right. So that's how I would have done it. I love the fact that you didn't because it meant that you did it from your heart. Right. You weren't looking for a project to design. So 
looking the, at that the more the project or design would have been the, the, the paint scheme and yeah that's what blew me away and even Beth she looked at it and she's like oh that's so cool how you did the paint because it does take a special talent and most people don't know this it takes a special talent to use spray paint of any kind would you agree no you think that anyone can pick up a spray can and paint like that yep I can prove your ass wrong give me a can of paint <laughs> Buy it, mine, here. mine mine does not ever look like this because I do not take the time and care to make sure I'm at a good distance and that I'm moving so no you can tell me oh, all day with the directions the directions stay stay 8 to 12 inches away from your project and there we go so you stay 8 to 12 inches and you just keep spraying at this point I'm already done that's my point. <laughs> while you're while you're sitting here reading the instructions, I have already painted it, and it is streaked everywhere. And I'm like, shit! And so I get more paint, and then I keep spraying it. I am not a painter. I'm not um, good with that sort of thing. I am artistic, but not with paint and spray paint, especially. I can use an airbrush. And it is not spray paint. And don't even lie and say it is. It is spray paint. Spray paint is not, from a can, is not the same as using an airbrush. Well, that's correct, but it's the same. It's the <laughs> same. <laughs> it's the same. What do you want to call it? Medium. It's the, yeah, it's the, well, it's the you same. You got air yeah. that's blowing the paint, or you have aerosol. Oh, but it's a different technique altogether. No. I can, yes, yes. Oh, we'll have we'll have the spray paint challenge, yeah, and I'll show should. you how dumb with spray paint I am. I mean, it's if, if you can use an airbrush, uh -huh. you can use a paint can. No, that's not true. That's not fact, Joe. It's not fact. That's my fact. <laughs> that's your fact. That's because <laughs> you're I'm talented. Well, that's because you're talented, and that's what I mean. You truly are talented, and I don't want to take away from that because it does take, first of all, dedication to even give a shit. I mean, right. You know, well, that's you how all my through. projects are. Anything I do, you know, I put... Do you always follow through? Do you yes. start something and always finish it? Yes. Do you think you have OCD? Be honest. I don't think so. Because everything should be done the correct way. I just, you know, it, you can hurry up and do something, slap it together, it's going to so work. So you're just cautious and particular? Yeah. <laughs> I just choked myself. No, babe. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm cautious on how I build all my stuff. You know, everything that I do has to come out to... Your expectation. Correct. But your expectation's always high. And always. that's why your stuff is good. Sure, that's sure what I mean. High. Oh, it was scary. Okay, so we paused for a minute, and I don't remember what we were talking about, but sort of paint and stuff like that, and I was talking about how really cool it is. <clears throat> and that it meant a lot, because not only did you make it intentionally thinking of me, but it also was symbolic of my race to manhood. And it's a rocket. And rockets are badass, dude. <laughs> like, seriously. And we're going to make one, though, that we can actually launch. Correct. And then we'll do that on the podcast, too. Yep. Like we'll we'll edit it in. And keep that one as a display and I'm going to I'm gonna hang it from the ceiling here. And um make another one and we can go out and fly it together. That is so exciting. The coolest part was the parachute. I won't make you dig it out and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but um yeah, that was pretty cool because you know Beth was actually a paratrooper. Really? 
yeah she actually went to jump school and all that stuff and wow so yeah that's kind of why her knee is as shitty as it is that makes sense and uh, yeah so she got to jump out of airplanes and what's funny is when people don't know that she's trans or you know i'm just talking about my wife or whatever right and i'll be like yeah my wife was uh, a paratrooper and if they have military knowledge they know that there's not women paratroopers right and so they'll immediately gig me on it and i'll be like oh that was before she transitioned right. you know and then that opens a whole nother subject yep. you know and uh, I think it's kind of cool whenever I get to do that because it opens a conversation that that person probably was not planning on having that day. Right. You just do them a curveball. Yeah. So when you had the conversation with our mutual friend who introduced us, when he told you who I was, what did you think? <clears throat> so I have to go meet this dude, you know, and... Actually, I remember, you know, talking to him, you know, and how do I dress, yeah. how do I dress him? Do I dress him as him? Do I or dress her, him as her? Or, you know, yeah. who is... Who is this person? Right. And what the hell? When, and, and I said, I got to go with you. Yeah. He said, well, I'm, you know, I'm going right now. I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and we're out here talking and stuff like that, and it was like... He's just a regular person. Yeah, he's just a regular person like me. Were you disappointed that I wasn't like some cool, like weird freak? Because I've heard people, people have said that to me. People that I have met will go, huh, and I'll say, uh, what? And they'll say, I don't know. I just feel a little disappointed. And I was like, why? Well, because you're not like draped in a robe or, you know, you no, don't you're have just, like. You're just yourself. Yeah. You're just an ordinary person that's just. But I had no idea that there were stereotypes, like real, honest to goodness, outside of the movies. Right. You know, stereotypes that people had about transgender people or transsexuals. You know, I knew that people understood transvestite, and it's because it came from Hollywood, you know, when Eddie Murphy got caught with a transvestite and all this stuff in the 80s, then it kind of got a bad name and grouped in with AIDS. Right. you know yep. and and then all of it was unsafe you know and we're talking from the stonewall riots on you know trans being grouped in to this deviant lifestyle is what they were calling it deviant lifestyle um do you think that you had and unknowingly just understand that anybody who's aware of their duality knows that <clears throat> whoever we were is who we still are but we're a better version of that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's progression, evolution. Mm -hmm. So you start out as one person and evolve, you evolve into the person that you want to become. And that's spiritually, physically, emotionally, intellectually. It's all these categories. And me growing up, I didn't ever go, do I want to be a boy or a girl? I never did that. I just assumed I was going to be a boy because I was a boy. So I assumed I was going to be a man. So whenever I wasn't a man, it messed me up. I did not think, though, on the other side. I've been sitting here preaching to everyone about how I discovered, you know, everyone asked, how did you know you were trans? Well, I knew I was trans because I was told I was trans. That's how I knew because up to that point, I just thought that I was an anomaly. Right. I thought that I was a boy with girl parts. Right. But I didn't even consider them girl parts. I was a boy with different boy parts. 
And that's where the disconnect was because I did not identify my parts as female. They were just different boy parts. They were broken boy parts. Hmm. But then when broken boy parts never became any better, I decided to take it on myself and try to fix it. And that involved this stitch kit and all kinds of stuff, and it was unpleasant. And that was at nine. You know, and, and at, at nine years old? At nine years old, I um, thought that I could fix my broken parts. And so <clears throat> coming out of that, when I see kids like Oliver's nine, my youngest, mm -hmm. and I look at him, I don't ever look at him and ask him. I don't say, do you feel like a boy? Do you feel right. like a girl? Who would do that? So I have to look at my parents and go, there's no way I could ever blame them for not hearing what I was saying. Because what I was saying is, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not a girl, I'm not this, I'm you know, not a daughter, I'm not any of these things you want me to be, but I never actually told them what I was. Mm -hmm. And then it was later on, then I realized the word for what that was, was trans. And I could not say that word up until I was 34 years old. I could not say the word transgender or transsexual until I was 34. When did it become a thing for you? When did you know what it was? And not really like all of it, but what was your first idea of what trans was? Or transsexuals more, you know, people who are transitioning? I would probably, I would say it was probably, for me, it probably been like junior high. Okay. And you're old as shit, so right. junior high was what year? Oh. <laughs> Late 70s, maybe. And we got to watch the time, too. Don't forget. Oh, my God. What did you say? Late 70s? Because I, well, cause it was like 80. Yeah. I was born in the late 70s. I don't know, but I, I can remember some. It just wasn't a big deal. <coughs> it wasn't a big deal. Oh, that was scary. Your phone's scary as crap, man. Um, it wasn't a big deal, but you can kind of see like men dressing like so women. So cross dressers, cross dressers mostly. and stuff like that. Yeah, now, I remember a couple couple girls, you know, in junior high, you know, were kind of cross dressing. Yeah, you know, being different, but it wasn't. You really it wasn't didn't know, for sexual reasons, right. right? Yeah, you know, and you really didn't really know anything about it, mm -hmm. you know, and they're just they normal. just did, yeah, yeah, they just did it, you know. And I was like, but you're a boy dressing like a girl, you know, like yeah, you know, I wouldn't do it. It doesn't make sense to me, but you can do it. It's okay, right? Because I may wear a Florida Gators hoodie and think that that's okay, <laughs> but somebody else might not ever wear a Florida Gators hoodie. <laughs> Stuff like that, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like I always did say, you know, it don't matter who you are. Right. As long as they're happy, who cares? Leave them alone. Let them... When do you think it started to matter to society? What do you think caused the shift? Because I'm like you. I know that in, in the late 70s and early 80s, there was a brief period where there was a movement and that movement just didn't build steam because Reagan came in and everything started to change. We started to get more conservative as a nation. <coughs> so we didn't get that expansion. Right. What do you think caused judgments towards negative ideas towards people? And it just may not, because you've always been here in the Midwest, right? Right. So it just may not have developed here. 
I don't think it has, you know, but over time, you know, I could say maybe it was around somewhat a little bit in the 80s. Yeah. But I don't think, you know, it was, people really didn't pay attention to it as much as now, you know, because now it's all. We have media outlets now. Right. It's all over the news. Oh, my God, she's trans. She's she's this, she's that. You know, oh, my God, the world's going in. You know what's funny? Even trans people are sick of hearing about it. Oh, I don't know. And nobody knows that. That's the thing. Everybody thinks that that trans advocates and allies and all this, you know, are just totally in it all the time. But that's the reason Beth and I did not move into what we lovingly refer to as the gayberhood. Right. We did not move into an LGBT community. And we didn't because we're exhausted. Right. Because we came straight out of a battle in Texas. And that was, you know, years in the making. And that was my battle, my struggle, and we got out of that. And fortunately, we got here, and the battle for Beth was almost non-existent. Right. You know, the only thing that we really have to battle now is the occasional comment or, you know, sabotage. When I first started my business, there was a lot of sabotaging going on, and still there occasionally is, because there's people in Highland that don't like trans people and that's their right but when their right is stepping on you know somebody else's it's not okay and um and you never have stepped on anything even whenever you feel like you might be offensive to me it's not offensive but that's because i'm aware that people have different ideas do you still carry any ideas that you think might not be a hundred percent pc or accepting or tolerable I have some like I have issues I really do and I'm trans I don't think so you know kind of like what what we talked about too you know when you said you know that you're exhausted you're tired yeah you know I don't blame you guys one because you know how it is with alcoholism I don't blame you guys Mm -hmm. I mean because you're getting it slammed and you're I mean you guys probably have more courage and not being mean, but us straight people. You got more courage, more wisdom, because you're getting that pounded in your head. You're, you're hearing about it every day. Yeah. And how you guys can deal with that pressure, okay, is to me is unbelievable. Because well, there's no uh, way I could be sit there if I was trans and be able to take that information and get it in my head day in, day out, 24 seven. You know, I don't know how you guys do it, but it's I, amazing how you guys do do it. I really appreciate, you know, that I really do because it's not something that a lot of people look at. And they say trans people are mentally ill. They need to go see therapists. They need to do this. Well, the reason is because of those kind of stereotypes and negative connotations and and all those notions that people share throughout generations. It's the generational change that we're looking for that didn't happen you know in in the late 70s early 80s it didn't develop because there was no generational change because we had a president come in and talk about family values and one of the family values was not you know being separate as far as gender there were very clear gender roles in the 80s right now that was southern that's what i'm saying you know i have this idea because i lived in republican texas you lived in the midwest 
but you're also you can you don't claim Democrat and and I won't make you claim anything. Let me just say that. But we do have a different political view, is what I'm saying. Right. I don't actually claim Democrat either. I claim independent. Right. Um, but I won't go into that. You know, I don't, it's, I'm not seeking to make you uncomfortable. But there's a lot of that political shift that dampened all those kind of progressive movements in the South and and just reinforced the idea that um, we needed to be conservative and family and religious, all that stuff I felt. Now Beth, she didn't feel that as much as I did in Texas because she was raised by her mother and a single mother. Mm-hmm. And so she got a little bit more empowerment, you know, mm-hmm. um, less of the patriarch. What did you grow up having? What view? How were your parents? Were they conservative? Yeah. Do you know if they were Republican? I have no clue. Yeah, we didn't ever talk about you it. You know, I never asked. Yeah. You know. It's, it's a private matter. Right. It's almost like bedroom talk. Right. Yeah, that's why I was like, I won't go into it. But, right. You know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, so you weren't strong-armed into, into believing any one value or one political party? No. No. Nope. <clears throat> that's where I think it's very different. I think that that's <coughs> not a general notion in the Midwest. And I could be wrong. But so far what I've noticed is the Midwest is more progressive than where I grew up in the, in the South, in Texas. It's a lot more progressive because there's been that generational expansion. And I don't know what has caused it. And, you know, I have all these theories, you know, of what could have caused a generational shift. And the only thing I can come up with is truly farming. Because, you know, women have to get out in the damn fields, too. Right. Women have to do a lot of things. And, you know, you talk about during wartime and you had Rosie the Rivet, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then that died out. They came home. Women went back into the kitchens. Right. But there was still that subset that didn't, you know, that were ready to break the barriers. And that subset of women that wanted to break the barriers were trans women and also lesbians. You know, they didn't want to have to fit that mold anymore. And so that subset is what I feel like is created the next movement, which was with the farmers. I really do believe that there was a rural and an urban expansion. Because that's how my grandmother was. My grandpa and grandma, they farmed out here. You know, my grandpa did the farming. Grandma was always out there. Yeah. You know, she was always out there working, doing something. You know, if she wasn't at home in the kitchen, you know, she made the meals. Yeah. In the morning, and then she went out there and helped Grandpa. Yeah. It could be from sun up to sundown. Grandma was there. Yeah. You and know. that's that's because they had a good relationship where they enjoyed sharing time. Right. So it's in, also their work ethic. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you and Karen have. Right. That was your takeaway from your parents, and I think you did a bang up job with that. Yeah. I know that's my my work ethic came from my my family, my mom and dad. Do you believe this statement? Work smart, not hard. Yeah, I can remember my dad saying that. Do you know what that means? Work smart, not hard. Yeah, I do, but it it means that if you're working smart, you're knowing your limits. So you're working smart with 
what you know. So you take all your skills that are inborn or learned, and you say, I know this, I'm, I'm using maximum effort for this. Mm -hmm. That is working smart versus working hard. The harder I work, the more effort I put into it, the greater the reward. That's not true. You can put in smart effort and not a lot of physical labor. You can use a lever. Right. It doesn't require as much physical effort. You get the same reward and you used your mind instead of your body. So if you take care of your body, you don't damage it. You live longer. Right. Right? We're, That's working smarter, not harder. And we, as a family, just my mom and especially my, especially my dad, you know, he's, he always worked hard. He didn't work smart. He worked hard. Yeah, broke his back all the time. Yep. Messed well, up his knees. Yep, and when we had that Lake Lottavon Van, we had a Lake Lottavon Vandalia Lake. Mm-hmm. And it was day in, day out. You know, it was just a piece of ground. You know, a lot of clearing, a lot of building, a lot of doing manual labor stuff. <laughs> you know, and we, we... I'm already tired. It sucks. I'm sitting here visualizing it. Oh, you you, you know, building concrete retaining yeah. walls, you know. I used to do that with my ex-husband. I used to do a lot of um, construction type yeah. stuff. And, I, and I'm sure... A family member could probably say, too, that's probably what put my dad in the grave. Well, here's the reality. If he wasn't working smart and he was working hard, that's to prove the ego. When you're working hard, you're trying to prove that you're strong enough, you're good enough, you deserve the reward. Right. That's serving your ego. And anyone who spends their life serving their ego is going to destroy their body. Yeah. I spent a lot of years serving my ego, wearing high heels. Guess what? It screwed up my ankles really bad. You know, I was serving an ego that wasn't even mine is the thing. That's when you really mess yourself up. Right. If you're serving somebody else's ego, and I, I truly was. And I, and I believe my dad's ego was to get the lake lot done. Yeah. And he knew that. That's why he worked his ass off, what well, we all did, to help him accomplish that. One year later. We just got it done. We just finished it. He passed away. You understand that you can't say if he didn't work that hard, it wouldn't have happened. You got you got to understand that everything happens when it's when it's going to happen. It doesn't matter if he had a poor diet that clogged his arteries, and he kept eating a poor diet, he would die. Right. Okay. It didn't matter. If he didn't know he was going to die, he would continue the same pattern and die. My mom had cancer stage three. They gave her radiation. They gave her all this stuff, and she was still smoking. And I was so angry. I was angry because she was taking radiation away from someone else. She was taking not only the doctor's appointment, but the doctor's time, everyone's time and everyone's effort to service her ego to say that she can still smoke. She wants to live another day to smoke. Right. She was a slave to the cigarette. She was a martyr to cancer. Mm -hmm. And and for me, I didn't see it exactly like that at the time. You know, right. I just knew I was mad. Yep. So were you mad at your dad for dying? For working that hard and dying, working no. himself in the ground? No, because that's how we were raised. We were raised to give 100 percent 
every day. But you can work smart and not hard and still give 100%. That's true. But it just depends how you were raised. You, right. You know, we were raised to work hard. We, we, this is the plan for today. We're going to work as hard as we can to accomplish this. If it uh, takes a little yeah. longer, it takes a little longer. And I totally understand that feeling because I had the same mindset. Yep. And what changed is when I broke. <laughs> my body broke. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait. Maybe I should have listened to my dad who was saying work smarter, not harder. And not my mom who was like, here, let's move this couch. Go. One, two, three. Uh, let's just get it done. Right. My mom was a pusher damn good motivator and encourager but in the wrong way she just wanted it done to service her ego yeah and <coughs> karen's like that too because that and that's my work ethic for i learned from him you know and there's projects around the house you know just do it right now you know and I, I yeah you got that her. paint like in five minutes you're you know, like what i, I can tell paint? you know that she's getting tired you know but for me you know i'm still going you know mm -hmm. we, we can finish this we got to go we can get this done today that's me you know, drives Beth nuts. She yep. hates it so much. Does yep. Karen get pissed? Yep. She goes, you know, there's always tomorrow. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> really, tomorrow's not a guarantee. Right. That's what I always say. Tomorrow is no guarantee. Right. But if I we wanna... get this done today, look what we can do tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, you're me. That's that's probably borderline OCD. But you know, for me, OCD is so real that. It's not just the compulsion to finish it. It's what's going to happen if I don't. And it's always a very, very bad scenario. And right. so it's just my need to control. <clears throat> and and I'm starting to come out of it. But there's a few things that are really ingrained that I'm working from since I was, you know, a little kid. And so it's tough sometimes to see through that. And um, one, <laughs> one of those things that's hard to see through is whenever I'm scheduling clients or even whenever I'm scheduling you mm -hmm. and and I have everybody scheduled and everything looks great and then one person calls and says oh can I switch <laughs> no no you can't ever switch but I know that as a coach and as a professional that I need to be flexible right so I have to force myself into the mold what do you have to force yourself to do that you know you should be able to do but you can't don't lie I'll just ask Karen or Emily yeah I'll ask them uh-uh I want to hear something <laughs> from you come on like what I don't there's got to be something what would happen if I took bong resin and wiped it on your white shoe? Nothing. You wouldn't at all be affected by that? No. Oh, I would tear somebody's ass. <laughs> I'm not even playing. Oh, my God. Because if bong water touches anything, it's ruined. It's like cat pee. Right. You have to just instantly throw it away. Yeah. It, it would mean nothing to you? No. So, see, you don't service your ego. And I bet that, that that changed when you quit drinking because I bet before you were servicing your ego, which is why you were drinking. Because you were trying to be better, smarter, faster, harder, you know, whatever. You're always trying to achieve whenever you're young. 15 is that time, wow. you know, where you're trying to prove your manhood. And you're a smaller guy. Right. You know, you're trying to prove your manhood in a world where there's hard workers. And was your dad a big guy or was he little? Yeah, he's a medium-sized guy. 
What is medium? Five nine? Yeah, about five nine, maybe. See, to two, me, that's tall as shit. Two twenty, two forty. <laughs> you know, I mean, but he was built. Right. Okay. So he was a big guy by all accounts. A, a big guy. Yeah. Okay. Was, actually, he was in the Army Reserves. See, there you go. He was a staff. He was a staff sergeant. And was your mom, I guess, then small? Yes, mom's very small. So you take after mom. So do I. Yeah, yeah. My mom was like four eleven. Yeah, my mom's probably about five foot, five one. Yeah, I am five two. How tall are you? I didn't know they stack shit that high. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. That was my brother's favorite thing to say too. Um, so, <laughs> jerk. You stole my line. God. Anyway. Um, but you know, so you had to prove something all the time. Yep. Do you think that that's probably part of the reason why you did go to alcohol? Because it made you a superman? Because that's what it does. You drink and all of a sudden you can talk to people. You can do things that you couldn't do before. It was probably, it was probably more talking to people. Yeah. You know, than anything else. You know. You are a scary guy to talk to. I know. Keep telling you, but you keep on inviting me over. So keep on messaging me. I know. I love. Okay, I have to admit, I love getting your messages in the morning when I don't see him the night before because then, like for a brief second, I'm like, oh my god, he's up as early as I am. I get to talk to him, and then I hit it, and it says like five or six the night before, and I'm like, oh, he's not up at three. I'm, a, I'm an early bird. I'm, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, three thirty, four o'clock. I'm up. That's that's me. I I got up. Especially if I'm out working or something like that, my back and stuff, I can't sleep. So why do we do that, though? You said your back because I say the same thing. After after laying still for so long, I can't do it anymore. I have to get up. My body says, if you stay like this, I'm just going to hurt worse. Yep. And so that makes me move. You see that I'm always. <laughs> but it, it does. It, it um, kind of puts me in check. It's that uh, body memory, yep. the, the muscle memory. Yep. So, if we were able to stop and think about the most relaxed we were, would that stop? Like, could you could you sit there and think, okay, in my life, this is the most relaxed I've ever been, and you revisit that moment, would you relax your body here now? Is that something that you're capable of doing? No. It took me so many years to practice that of mindful meditation basically is what it is where you can literally recreate the feeling in your body that you had before it's sort of like tantric sex that's basically how that I don't works think go back that far <laughs> that's what i used to say believe it or not i would say yeah i was comfortable when i was a baby probably but i don't remember ever not feeling like this mm-hmm and that's why it was so hard for me to do what I just talked about. And so that's probably the reason it's hard for you to do it, too. Right. Are you being pinged? we got to wrap up, too, huh? Because I know you have to go, don't you? What time do you have to go? I know you kicked me out. Oh, good. Okay. Then we can just record forever. <laughs> 2.30. I got to pick Karen about 2.45. Okay. Don't forget, because I love Karen. I like her more than you. That's good. That's just... You're supposed to be intimidated by that. God, I'm sick of guys not being jealous of me. I'm sick of guys not thinking that I could still. What do you think I'm going to do? Piss you off? I'm going to get my ass kicked by one person and I'm going to get bitch slapped and punched at the same time. Okay. <laughs>
Oh, damn it. I was hoping you wouldn't say it because I can't keep it together, Joe. I can't keep it together with that. If that would ever happen to me, I would just have to tuck my tail and walk away because I don't know what happened. Oh, my God. Who kicked your butt? I couldn't even tell you. It was either a man or a woman. Stop, Joe. Keep it together. I can't do what I did yesterday, man. <sighs> okay. <coughs> Stop it. Stop. <coughs> trans jokes are funny, okay? A lot of people don't think trans jokes are funny. I think trans jokes are funny. And I think they're funny because I'm married to a trans woman, <coughs> which is even funnier because <laughs> just like you, okay, on a daily basis, do you sit there and go, Oh, it's funny because other um, straight white men do this. You don't ever, but when you do, it's that rare gem where like somebody calls you a cracker or something and you laugh at it because you're like, that is a stupid word to call somebody, but I get it. You know, it comes well, from like, slave crackers. That's you like know? The, the potato. If you peel it, it's still going to be less white. Okay, so I all right. Since you brought it up, we got to talk about this whole Mr. Potato Head thing because I can't. All right, so, I'm still thinking about the joke. All right, and so this whole Mr. Potato. We're, we're all on crack. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, uh, people are gonna think that we're just drunk. Like we're not drunk. No alcohol. Okay. Just Pepsi. <laughs> and um, Diet Coke. Okay. Oh, my God. Do you see that? That's our difference right there. Well, You're Pepsi, I'm Coke. Well, I don't need to be on a diet. Oh, no. It sucks. <coughs> I'm actually addicted to the diet flavor now. Really? Now, even if I could, because I started drinking it when I was diabetic. And um, I started drinking that stuff when I was diabetic. And I didn't get I tried drinking regular once in a while. And it just tastes awful. I can't handle that taste anymore so i i crave that it's so stupid okay, and so i do need to be on it um okay i think that a potato is a potato right i believe that a potato is a potato i don't personify potatoes so i wasn't a big advocate of mr potato head to begin with but the fact that his name was mr in my mind was just saying that he was a person it wasn't right. saying he was a man right so when you said mr mr was a human but i guess why are they changing it because there was a mr potato head because some straight because mrs potato head there's because some straight white guy in a corporation somewhere said we should a pr guy He's, he was like this. He went to the advertising department and he said, we need to be politically correct and we need to bring Mr. Potato Head back because we're not making any sales. I'm a small business and I understand sales and I understand retail. I get this. That's exactly what happened. They're using, and this is why I can't stand it. When a company uses trans, gay, any black, any kind of movement to help sell their shit it makes me furious and that's what i see happening they're jumping on the bandwagon because they have gender specific stuff guess what you can still have gender specific stuff it's a potato so guess what the boy's gonna do oh i'm a mister you know and i was a sister right and this boy can wear a girl hat 
as long as you're saying we need to just have one thing with all the parts you're saying that there's something wrong with having male and female right. there's nothing wrong with having binary people right. I'm trans and I identify as male I identify as trans when I need to identify as trans medically because I still have female parts so if I have female parts and I'm in a car accident I don't want the person to run up on me and go oh my god where's his penis that could happen it well, has happened go, we'll just go by i'll go by mr potato head on the next session we'll me and you'll put one together have to get a, oh my god i'll have to get a potato peeler oh my god okay because mr potato head used to just be a potato you bought you had the potato, right. and the Mr. Potato Head was just the parts, just eyes and a nose and a mouth and crap that you could stick in the potato. Right. It's for poor kids. It was a toy for poor kids. So they would have a toy because what the hell do you have during the Depression? Barely anything. Right. But you probably could find a potato. So that's what it's supposed to be for. And I hate the fact that now it is in the news i hate the fact that now it's a thing it's an issue and it doesn't need to be did you hear the newest issue oh god dr seuss books oh god stop no 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 what about dr seuss books because today's his birthday yeah they're going to stop making some of the books they're not going to publish some they're going to stop publishing some of the books because it's too racist Okay, they're going to stop publishing them, but they're not going to um, take the ones off that they have, right? They're not they're, banning they're, it. They're banning. They're ban it's, I got it posted. Okay, I'll have to look. You're right. So I we think they're, they're banning three of them, and that book is not going to be published anymore because it's clarified as okay, racist. Okay, so here's my thing. Uh, I've always said that Brandy made Brandon. Because I was assigned female at birth, I lived a certain expectation, and then I became aware, and I lived my expectation, right? right? So I am created because this person existed. I can't predict how my life would have turned out had I not chose, because this is what happened. I chose to live my life as a boy when I was a teenager, and I got very hurt, and, um, was in the hospital two weeks and when I came to my senses realized that that was a bad idea that was my taste of it so I can't say had that not happened I would be this perfect person or I would be this better person you can't ever predict that right because there's too many variables but the fact remains that because that was my origin story I am who I am the fact that racism existed is the reason this country is what it is right yep now it's very unfortunate but it's fact it's fact that we are a bunch of racist assholes that's the facts the facts are we're racist assholes because we haven't had that generational change that we were talking about earlier like with trans people right we are now starting to have that generational change because my kids have no idea that different colored people were separated they have no idea. They grew up in the military environment. They saw everybody from every single nation all the time. They know that their parent was fighting in a different country. My kids are, I guess you could call, worldly 
We lived in Germany. We were the foreigners there. We were trying to speak that language. So my kids have some compassion and some empathy for people going through that. That is not something you and I experienced in our lifetime. Right. You probably had more acceptance because you're in the Midwest than I did. We, the town I grew up in, wasn't even integrated and still is not integrated. Okay, and I grew up there and then moved to a metropolitan area. I moved to Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so it was culture shock at 12 years old. Yeah. But I quickly adapted. I loved it. But, you know, it goes into that thing that I was talking about earlier about your friends. How did you become friends with them? You know, you pick a clique and you go. My clique was decided for me when we moved to the city. My dad looked right at me and he told me who my friends needed to be. I didn't understand what he meant by that. I did not understand that he did not want me to have too much diversity because I just came off the farm. He was trying to tell me to slow my roll and not be so naive. Right. But what I heard is you can't. Right? Right. Do you think that if you had some experiences outside of the usual that you would have, that you wouldn't feel so like a hermit or isolated? I. You would have had a Mr. Potato Head, wouldn't you? Yeah. Did you have one? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, but now I have to get the potato peeler. So stupid. I can't even stand it, man. I can't stand it. <laughs> Don't you feel like they're just trying to relaunch their toy? Would it not be a great opportunity to relaunch your toy? And because now they get to have three. I think they're using to me, they're using it <clears throat> the big shot is using it as an excuse to make more damn money. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Right. They're, they're simply using it to market. And, and people are so dumb, we're just, talking about it. And, right, but it is, it's just, it's one thing after another, it's after another, after another. But you know what? Good for them for being all-inclusive. That's what I can say. But guess what? It's a potato. You were all-inclusive to begin with. Right. You could literally just take this potato out of the Mr. Potato Head box and go, Mr. Potato Head, and then take the other one out and go, Mr. Potato Head, even though they come in separate boxes, Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head. Didn't they have a baby? Oh my God, they did Spud, didn't they? Or was that just on the movie? Uh, I thought they had a little baby. Oh my God, now we have to find out. That's going to be some research. If they do, I want to know all about it. Because I I vaguely remember but you know you're old so you would know much more than I would you're very wise or as we say long in the tooth wise as an old owl <laughs> I wouldn't go that far Joe okay an old owl at least knows how many licks it takes to get to the chocolatey center of a Tootsie Roll pot you don't know that I would have to ask my wife see that's why you're not as wise as an old owl What's up with the hoodie? Why are you wearing that hoodie? What is up with you in Florida? My favorite football team. Why? That's what the that's what what is up with that means. Because my two favorite colors, orange and blue. You are basing the team that you like off your colors. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> this is why I love you, Joe. <laughs> right there. That. Because I was always an NFL fan. Okay. Okay. My team, you could hardly ever watch on TV. Okay. So it was 
one Saturday, I'm a big football fan. I was like, well, I'm going to start watching college. I don't know who the heck to watch. <laughs> you know, so I just started flipping through the oh, channels. Look what's on. You know, then I seen um, uh, football team, orange and blue, I'm Florida gonna, Gators. I'm going to watch you this way now so I can look at them too. You know, and uh, I said, well, I said, it's orange and blue, Florida Gators. There we go. And I've been a football fan since. You realize that that's a really weird um, thing, right? To like something like that because of uh, the colors. For me, no. For you, yes. You know why I'm why I'm trying to bait you into that? Why? Because I'm trying to bait you into a conversation about why is it okay for me to judge you on having those weird colors? And you're like, I don't care if you judge me. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. You're supposed to get offended, Joe. You're supposed to help me out, and you're supposed to be like. Well, what colors do you like and why? And then that's when I prove that I'm better than you because I like purple and, and green and nobody has those colors. So I can't be a football fan. See? Uh, that's my justification. I can't be a football fan, guys, because my colors are not part of anything. You didn't know I didn't like football, huh? It's not that I don't I like don't, it. I don't like it now. I, I do like football. I like the strategy involved, and I do love to see them succeed. I like to see the challenge being met. Or you just like to see them get tapped on the butt. I don't. See, that's the part that's weird for me. I've got to admit, I, <laughs> okay, you know, you know you have those guys that are like real homophobes. Right. And they don't want any other guy touching them, and they don't want this or that. I'm almost a, a queer homophobe. <laughs> okay, that was hard for me to say with a straight face because I know it's so bizarre to try to understand. Podcast. I know. It's hard to understand, but okay, try to follow this, and if you don't, maybe we can dive deeper. Who knows? Okay. So whenever I see like sports, like men's sports, and they're wearing uniforms, like the football uniforms, and there's not a lot left to the imagination. Okay. Well, we just say wrestling. That's a big one. <laughs> That's what she said. That's what she said. Okay, so like wrestling, I top or bottom. <laughs> I do like watching wrestling. That's a, I don't like wrestling, but I do like college wrestling, right? So I like watching that. I'm talking WWE. I, I know what you're talking, and I'm. They come out in a nice little tight. Stop it. That's that's what I'm saying. That I I have problems with that, and I have problems with football, and occasionally I have trouble with baseball, only because whenever I'm watching it, I'm watching it as. Um, I'm trying to watch it as a spectator of a sport. Right. And it's very distracting. <laughs> and so it makes, in me, it makes me insecure about what I might be reacting. Like, I don't want to be seeing, you know, a football player go across the field and go, mm. I don't want to do that, you know, around all the other guys. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's uncomfortable for me to try and behave in a sports atmosphere around other men because I don't behave. It it's well, almost yeah, yeah. You wouldn't do good at a swimming meet. <laughs> but it's not just men. Like I'm not only attracted right. to men. I see a certain thing, and then 
I don't want to objectify it. It's not about me looking at it and getting turned on. It's about me. It's about me looking at it and going, <coughs> I don't want to be looking at this person like this. I want to be looking at it as a sport. Right. And but then you that you can't focus on that part. Right. And that's where I know that I can't do that. You know, I can't um, be mature enough. That's all it is. I can't be mature enough unless it's something that I'm. They're talented. If they're talented, and that and that's the thing. If I'm watching a team that's talented, I'm invested in the sport. If I'm watching a team come out and prance around, I'm watching a team come out and prance around. And it's very difficult for me to be part of the sport around other guys. If I see some guys prance around on the field, I'm going to call it out. I'm going to be like, oh, they look like the last drag show I went to. Well, then you wouldn't like horse racing. I love horse racing. I love horse racing. You know why? Because a jock gets to ride the horse. Yeah, because he's only the tall. So that's my people. That's my village. We're all horse racers. But I don't like horses. Like in general, I don't they're shady. I don't like them. They know too much. Horses know too much. Well, they just like to be ridden. Oh yeah, just like me. <laughs> just like to be ridden. Ridden hard and put up wet. Yep. That's the way you roll. That's the facts of life. And I got all that shit on the farm. And that's why I think I'm so smart. I think I'm smart because I grew up in nature. That's you know, that's what I mean. Because we look to nature for natural cycles. And I was blessed with a dad who knows all that stuff. Like he's a farmer, an electrician, a plumber, just like your dad. Right. So when you learned this stuff from your dad, did you ever feel like he expected you to learn it? No. I just... Because he didn't really explain it to you. You just watched him. I just watched him because... He knew that. How would I say it? He knew that I probably wouldn't be interested in the things that he was interested in, you know. But I was, you know. I really didn't ask. So it was all his assumptions. Yeah. You know. And My dad assumed that I wanted to know everything, so he explained it constantly, and I just wanted to do it. Yeah. So I was that person that was. Just won't do it. I mean, I asked him, you know, I might ask him questions and stuff, you know, but most of the time, you know, I was, it basically was just like I was just there to help him. You know, I wasn't there yep. to learn what he right. was yeah, doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh -huh. So then, then he wouldn't have to sit there and explain it to me. Yeah. But all through the years, you know, I just watched him. I watched what he did. I That's why you're so good at it, though, because you watched on your level. He allowed you to learn on your level. My dad taught less every single thing in life. Even when we went on a trip, if there was a historical marker, we would pull over and we would read the historical marker and we'd talk about it. Mm -hmm. And this was before Google, you know. So dad was Google, right? And it was oh. we'd be able to read the roadmaps like a queen and a king. That was the sh you bust out that map. The smell of a map to this day says vacation. Yep. I mean, and our kids have no idea. Isn't that sad? We need to put them in a, in a vehicle. Here's your road map. And Bye. But, but wasn't it great, though, whenever you finally got the the um, map skull in the in the book and you didn't have to fold the map anymore? Yeah. Was oh, that not the greatest thing in a, the world? That was the greatest invention. <laughs> I know. I, like, bought every single one. Like, that's probably, you know, we always got the maps and 
dad was always say, you better fold that exactly mm -hmm. the way it was. And you open that up. Are you serious? Yeah, Which and you can't possibly because it folds both ways. Right. You know, how do you figure this out? No, don't put that crease in there. Yeah. It's like folding a towel. If you fold it down the center first and then do it, you have to do it that way every time. So That's what you, she said. <laughs> it is what she said. <laughs> so you better have a process to begin with and know it. Right. And nobody learns the process before they open the map. Right. Did you know there's maps that have instructions on them? Oh, no. No. It's people like that. <laughs> and I'm sure that there's a life hack to it, you know. I'm sure that there's something that you can remind yourself if, if you know, you know that the top corner goes here or whatever. Right. But I'm not invested enough because I don't give a shit. Right. And I was always one that I just wanted to go and see and wherever I ended up, I did. Right. Were you like that? Yep. And that's the kind of uh, vacation. I mean, <clears throat> me and Karen were planning on taking you know we plan on going to like north dakota south dakota yeah you know, and just, just go where it leads and just yeah just follow that one main highway whatever it was you know and that would make that one constant road trip yeah you know, one constant circle that would be cool yeah just get on that highway and just keep following the highway i like driving though do you like driving i don't mind it you know i, I like to drive that's what she said <laughs> But, I like my turbo. That's the thing. That's what I like. Yeah. But I also like to drive a pickup. <coughs> I'm just dangerous in a pickup, much like my dad, who drives that big blue tank out there. So if you see it in town, be aware that he is 79 years old driving a big-ass Ford, <laughs> and he's got insurance. He don't care. He's going to run your ass over one way Like, seriously, he, he bless his heart. That's what I have to say, bless his heart. Yeah. He's a good guy, and he can do absolutely anything that a young man can except for drive. Maybe it is because he drives like a young man. He doesn't drive like an old man. Right. That's the problem. If he was a little more cautious, right. a little more aware, <laughs> aware that there's other people on the road and that there's stop signs and such. I think all old people get that way. Yep. So your dad, though, he died early. How old was he? around in the 60s 65 66 well that's not too young it's young enough not too young though middle-aged there we go yeah he died the same age my mom did yeah you know so well she was a little bit older i think um i can't even remember now i think she's just a couple of years younger than my dad but you know she was late 60s early 70s maybe one of those but um you got to have a lot of time with him is the point yes and that's a huge blessing because that's a, yeah. a lot of the times especially when we hear other people talking about how they still have their parent mm -hmm. it makes us feel a certain way i know that sometimes when people talk about how they have this great relationship they're best friends with their mom blah 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 i get a little bit jealous because i i never had that right and then i know i'm never going to have that and so it makes me feel a certain way. Did you ever get that feeling? A little bit. Like when I talk about my dad, do you think about it must be nice? And I know you don't mean it mean. Right. Well, I think about it, you know, but, you know, you're, the way I think about it, you know, I had my time, you know, and people talk, you know, and say that is like, just realize how special it is. At least you have that person yet. 
you know, compared. And that's why, like, every single day, even when he drives me crazy, I tell him I love him, and I really do find a way to appreciate him, even when I'm, like, really pissed off, because old people make you angry. Right. Old people make me angry. Not all old people, but, like, the super old. Right. <laughs> like my dad. <laughs> the ones who aren't so tech-savvy. Yeah. You know, it it does. It frustrates me, but then I remember that I'm also that person to my kids. So how much does Emily bitch at you about being old, about being a boomer? My kids say it all the time. Would you say you're a pretty trendy parent or are your kids old-fashioned? And be honest. I think I'm, what, as a parent? Yeah. Well, as, as a societal member, but yeah, as a parent. Are you a trendy parent or are you a boomer? How do you view yourself? You're saying like a boomer. What, what do you mean? Um, the conservative parent, the kids call boomer from that generation. Basically, it'd be like m- my dad's generation where you have these traditional notions and such. To me, what I was saying, what I would be as a parent, I was, I'm an easy go parent. Easy going, yeah. Yeah. I would say that you're a hippie except for the fact that you don't smoke pot, which is so freaking weird. It's weird that you're like this naturally. It's like, I have an excuse, dude. I have an excuse. I'm like this because I smoke pot. And a lot of it. But you don't have that excuse. You just killed brain cells. But I did too. Maybe maybe well, that's our kids. You go downstairs and paint rockets and smell Sniff paint. Glue. And smell <laughs> glue, super glue. And glue. You don't need pot. Yeah, I got I got my third can of paint downstairs. I'll just, <laughs> there you mm. go. <laughs> so if you see me with a oh, pink God. nose or a green nose, you know what I've been doing. Okay, so true story. You know this is an old-ass house, right? And if you look at the floor, you see that there's a crack all around, um, and it goes down to the basement. We also have holes in our floors where they had bells where they could ring the mm-hmm. the serve, uh, the servants. Right. It's hard for me to say that. Servant? Well, it's hard for me to... to to admit um just because i'm from the south we our whole lives were taught if you had servants or you knew about having slaves or whatever you didn't talk about it openly i mean that was a real thing for us and so it's even hard for me now in the midwest in this house just to talk about how the people in this house had servants right it's it's a weird thing for me so just to think about it so anyway we have these holes in the floor well dad his mad scientist self in the in the lab downstairs says woodshop he'll be painting and as soon as he just sprays it i can't hear it but I instantly smell it, you know, because it's coming up through here. And there was one day I was sitting here at the desk, and I was getting a little bit lightheaded, and I was like, what is that smell? And it, I didn't smell it the whole time. Like, all of a sudden, because I was just invested in work, and I wasn't paying attention to my surroundings. And so I stood up, and I went, and I got a drink, and I walked out of the room, you know, and then I came back in, and I was like, oh, my God, it smells like paint in here, like bad. And so I opened the back door and everything, and Dad came up, and, of course, he had his mask and everything on, you know, right. he'd been painting. But he had to tell me he had been painting, and I was like, I know, Dad, I smelled it. <laughs> Got me a little tipsy up here. <laughs> well, that's like with me painting rock and stuff. I do it downstairs, you know, in our craft room. Yeah. That Your crafting was so cool. And what I use is a range hood, just like above your oven. Oh, yeah. And I vent it out to the outside. 
that my booth is built around that. So when I'm spraying, it's getting sucked out. Yeah. You can still smell some of the fumes, no, I know but it's mean. not as bad. I mean, I could just suck down there all day. Yeah, Dad had a whole separate paint room in his shop. And um, it had a big garage door on it, so it was a shop inside a shop. Mm -hmm. And he had an old refrigerator that wasn't plugged in. It was just there, and it had all this paint in it. Well, it was plugged in, and it worked. He just had it turned off. Yeah. And so he stored all of his paint in there. And so when he opened it, you had a light. <laughs> so <just> then <laughs> my other idea for my rockets and for anything else that that paint takes time to cure. Well, I keep the, the basement's cool. Mm -hmm. I keep it a little warm. But to be able to dry them, I took an old size refrigerator, gutted it out, and put a 60 watt light bulb inside. There you go. And it keeps it a nice 65, 70 degrees in there. Yeah. And I set that rocket in there for a couple hours, gets nice and warm, I burn it out, it's nice and dry. We gotta tell dad about that because he has, you know, struggle with the paint, but he has big stuff. And so he's, you know, he needs to figure out a solution. We're using half of the cavern right now for my gardening. And, uh, and so the other half, you know, he could by all accounts use as, because we already have a vent, mm -hmm. you know. So if he wanted to paint big stuff, he could do it down there, but he'd have to take it down the stairs and it's just easier to come out this way and paint it outside unless the weather's crappy. Right. But here in the Midwest, it's hardly ever dry. I swear yeah. to God. I'm just glad I don't live in Washington. Like, I couldn't do, like, rain all the time. I just couldn't right. do it. Yeah, it's like during the wintertime, I do my rockets and my models. You know, I can't take it outside like yeah. that because it's cold. Mm -hmm. I'll just turn on the refrigerator, let that warm up for a half hour, open it up, it's 67 degrees in there. That's so really I just smart. stick it in there for a couple hours and let it dry. You are a smart guy. I need to take lessons. <laughs> Don't take too many. You might get yourself in trouble. I'm hoping I do because that, speaking of, my dad is working with Lucas to make a catapult for the, all the walnuts that we have. My dad wants to make a big catapult and then for the JCs or something, um, have it downtown and let them catapult for, you know, competitions. Like see who can get it like the highest or the farthest and have different, of course, settings and stuff for different age groups. Right. And I'm sitting here going, you're 79, Dad. I appreciate the fact that you want to build this thing with my child, but you're 79, and some of the rules that you live by don't apply now. They just don't. You cannot give a 12-year-old a catapult. Yep. You can't. The, the rules and regulations. I mean, it's like, it's like, let's look into this a little bit better. Oh, what? Do you need to go? Pretty soon. All right. Got 242. Oh, my God. Okay. So, Joe, thank you for coming. Thank you're you welcome. for talking. Oh, see, you're like Alex, you shithead, just like Alex. <laughs> you're trying to steal my line again. That's so wrong. No, I said you're welcome. You I know. It doesn't matter. It's my line. You no. took it. You're going to have to do you're going to have to do a new intro and I'm writing it for you. Okay. And so we'll have that on here too. I really do appreciate you coming. I hope that oh, yeah. you got some fun out of it. Oh, it's always fun coming over here. It better be. So come over more often. I'll We're gonna. You can start just being the co-host. It can be us and then people. We have to have Emily and Karen on next. Yep. Okay. So next show, let's all of us get together and um, talk smack. All right. Well, that'll be it. You think this was interesting? Well, I love knowing about or learning about y'all. Yeah. You know. So it's nice. Thank you for coming. Thank you!
hilarious? Whatever do you mean? Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever met a transgender person? Well, I have. I know two of them. And they're the best people in the world. They have a heart of gold. They're a little bit different. But who gives a rat's ass? We're all the same. But for all our straight people out there, what would happen if we got in fight with a transgender person? Well, let me tell you something. That would kind of suck for us because we just got our ass kicked by a man and a woman at the same time or vice versa. We just got punched and bitch slapped at the same time. Now that would be a fucked up situation.